Hey, this is Afia Letham, creator of the Frame Your Day app, helping you walk out every day in victory. I'm proud to be a sponsor of Ramsey Unleash, going beyond borders. Hi, this is Zakia Ringgold from NaturalSoapByZakia.com, proud sponsors of the Ramsey Unleashed Going Beyond Borders podcast. Recording and welcome to another edition to Ramsey Unleashed Going Beyond Borders uh, podcast. I'm interviewing another guest and um, we'll find out where she's from. Also, the main topic is we're going to be discussing is Lyme disease. If you've never heard of Lyme disease, it's uh, it happens and it's caused by something extremely simple uh, and so something very small that you basically would never know. It's that it's a serious illness, but for something it's almost trivial, but it's not trivial. What what causes it, and it can affect. And we're ready to find out about that uh, today with my guest. Uh, I'm using a different platform. Usually, I've been using Streamyard, but as the fun and game of technology and my email is down, and I can't because I reset. Google Chrome and uh, trying to get the password uh, sent to me. I can't use to. So I'm using Get Vocal for, as a backup to record for my mm-hmm. podcast. I have one sitting there to in the bag to uh, to edit, and this will encourage me to get things both edited and out so people can listen to them because I should have had them done by now. But it's just no excuse for lockdown laziness plus trying to just juggling too many things and trying to you get distracted easily. But yes, my to everybody who's out there listening to this, I want, um, I want to say thank you for listening and supporting the Ramsey and Niche Going Beyond Borders podcast. We do have lots of supporters and people I like to shout out. Now, I usually have it along the bottom of the screen on StreamYard, but uh, I'm just going to shout uh, people like Brent Mann, Eileen Smith, um, Benita Charles, um, John Drummond, all these people who support our show, but uh, you can see that in the show notes anyway on we use Podbean when it goes out uh, of the people who support us. Want to thank you for that. Uh, but let's kick into the interview. We are my guest is Serena Wills, and we're going to welcome her to the show, and we're going to talk about a bit about her life. Um, we're not we won't dive into the Lyme disease yet, but we will talk about a bit of her background, a bit of what about what she's doing, but. We'll get get to the point of where how when Lyme disease happened and when it used to think it all kind of happened and when it started and how the symptoms kicked in and uh, and what's obviously Lyme disease has turned her life around uh, in a big way so uh, and it's not really how she's coping with that so Serena welcome to the Ramsey Unleashed Going Beyond Waters podcast uh, all the way in thank Scotland you. Uh, thank you yeah thank you thank you for coming on uh, so. Let's dive in. I mean, any day it's not about me. I'm gonna, as, as you, as pretty much what Doctor Vibe says, it's not about us. We're interviewing because we want to hear about you. And I know you probably told your story a few times on his show, but uh, let's hear it for people who haven't heard, don't know who you are, or haven't heard about you. Tell us about who is Serena Wills. Where were you born, brought up? A bit of background to your life, growing up, uh, education um, before. Give us your sort of life. Before Lyme okay. disease, yeah, the the, the yeah pre pre Lyme disease. Yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah, thank you again for inviting me. Um, I 
am originally from uh, Jamaica, Queens, New York. So born and raised and uh, live there. I mean, it's crazy to say it now. I can't even say most of my life because um, you know, I'm 45 now. So <laughs> I, lived, um, I lived in Queens. I went to a dynamic um, high school in Harlem as a specialized high school, um, Central Parky Secondary School. Um, it's, I call it very it's special in many ways. I'm still friends with quite a few of my friends from, it went through from elementary through high school and to the point where our principal and director is Facebook friends with us. So, <laughs> so um, it's, it's, it's special in many, many ways. Um, I was raised uh, by my mom, uh, God rest her soul. Her name is Marguerite Sauti Wills. She was mm-hmm. a powerful single mom. Uh, taught me everything um, about being compassionate, um, just being very empathetic. And this was as a child. She would teach me just, you know, various lessons and would also teach me about hardships in life. Um, she was actually um, the first person that taught me about, you know, racism and mm-hmm. inequalities and, you know, injustices. So I'm I'm thankful for her for just really being transparent and open with me. I was also raised by uh, my grandparents and lived in a house. It was a whole bunch of us in the house. It was me and my mom, my grandparents and aunt and uncle. And then I had two two other sisters come along the way. So it was, um, yeah, you know, and that's New York for you. It's, um... What's life? I mean, I've been to you. I was in New York just the end of 2018. But uh, And I mean, what's life like? I mean, I got... During, during lockdown you watch stuff and i've been watching uh, luke cage which is the marvel series on netflix and luke cage there's that yeah. and luke cage is based in harlem so yeah and I, what, so what is kind of what's like life i mean what is, is harlem like is, is it i mean i know harlem was always a kind of was it um was it there was a it was rough it was rough it was always kind of forecast as being the place you just wouldn't want to walk through in a dark night he may not he may not come out alive but uh i think it was just that was the, maybe it's a lot better now i mean uh it's yeah that was obviously an area you just didn't want to go but obviously what was life like in harlem what was it realistically like yeah what you maybe yeah portrayed? i mean yeah i mean i was like i said i, I lived in queens and i commuted to harlem between third through 12th grade. So I went from Queens, New York to Manhattan Mm -hmm. every day. And just the commute alone, it was a bus and two trains. And then I walked uh, three blocks. But before that, when I was in elementary school, my grandmother also, she uh, worked in Manhattan. So she would just take me to school on her way into work. But then she retired after I graduated elementary school and I was kind of on my own. So. But, you know, I tell people the one thing, I mean, there's many things I love about Harlem. Um, it's just one of those things where there's, there's, I mean, parts of New York, Harlem, there's parts of Queens, um, Brooklyn. I mean, Brooklyn looks totally different now. And even Harlem, there's parts of Harlem. I walk through it and I'm like, this wasn't Harlem when I was in high school or when I was in elementary right. school. You wouldn't even walk down this block, you know, in the 80s and 90s and now people are outside jogging and walking their dogs and, you know, but you just, the one thing that I love about just New York in general is you form your community. And I mean, New Yorkers, especially um, Harlem, and we came from all different parts of New York to come to the school, but we are very loyal people. We have your back. 
always. And it rings true to this day. Like I said, I'm still friends with lots of friends that I went to school with in Harlem. My school was actually in the middle of um, two um, housing projects um, that were kind of at war with each other. Wow. So, we, you know, our school, we didn't have, I mean, back then we didn't have metal detectors, but we always had security guards um, at the doors. And there were certain doors that were always locked. Um, some doors were chained and now that's probably against the law <laughs> but um you know back then you didn't have like the high-tech security systems so they were doing whatever they could to keep us safe and luckily my school was a small school since we were specialized i mean because there are schools in new york where you have like thousands of kids in the building um, we're talking some high schools have three and four thousand students in a high school and that's now before covid that's probably going to change a whole lot now um, but yeah, you know, Harlem, um, beautiful place. And, you know, you just have to watch your back wherever you go, honestly, in New York. But, you know, once you formulate that community and friends, you you always, you know, like a safe zone or like my, my school was my safe haven or I had certain places, you know, I never felt like I was always in danger, in other words. But yeah, you know, you're born in New York or you die in New York, or no matter where you live in this world. <laughs> I, do, I do like New York. I have to say, I do. It's uh, I do love it. It's a very. It's got a buzz. It's got a buzz. It's constantly busy, and but it's got that kind of buzz. And I think if you can, oh, yeah. I'm sure you. I mean, if you hit the right, know the right people, you could probably do quite well over there, probably, and, uh, yeah. and basically go from there. So, so tell us a bit more. You obviously school. You, yeah. Robert, yeah. Is, tell us about your life. I mean, tell us the challenges upstairs. Yeah. So it's like obviously when you finish school. Yeah, I went away. Yeah, I went away to college. Um, I went to Syracuse University, um, you know, home of the orange and blue. And after I graduated from there um, in the in the late nineties, I got a job in the D.C. area. And it was funny; it was supposed to only be a summer position, and I said, you know, my, my mom was like, you know, try it out. You know, we have an uncle that lives down there and we'll ship you down there and you can stay with him for a few weeks. And it's funny, now we're in 2020 and I'm still in the D.C. area. So <laughs> it turns into a, a six-week stay, turned into, you know, a longer, longer part. And I've always had a calling um, for servanthood. So while I was in college, um, I majored in policy studies which, uh, with a concentration in education and human services. So I was in the nonprofit field for about 20 years here in the Washington, D.C. area. And my career path, and we'll, you know, talk about, like you said, Lyme disease really flipped the scripts on me. So it kind of went, you know, a little different after Lyme disease. But, you know, I've been here um, in the DMV, as we call it. So that's D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. For those who don't know what DMV is, we're not just Department of Motor Vehicles. And, um, and, you know, just formed a life down here. And I love it down here. I did leave for three and a half years. I moved to Dallas, yeah. Texas. That could be a whole different show in different. itself. And, very different, very different. <laughs> very, very different. <laughs> but I, again, I met lots of friends who I consider my family. And that's actually where I jump-started my writing career was in Dallas. I moved out there for love and that didn't mm. work out. So, um didn't work out. It's okay. We're not going to talk about it. But I became published in Dallas and God had other things for me out there. And I never regret moving out there and 
like I said, I have lifelong friends who are now family. And I moved back here. That was 2006. I moved back here mid-2009, back to the D.C. area um, when my mom and I were talking that year. And she wasn't sounding herself. And she said, can you please come back home to the East Coast? You know, I think something is not quite right with me. And I, I need to go get checked out by the doctor. And I moved back middle of July, um, actually beginning of July 2009. And a month later, she was diagnosed with stage four mm. ovarian cancer. So and six months later, she yeah. passed away. So that was 10 years ago. So a lot has happened. And I've just stayed on the East Coast. This is my home. And now that I have a son, you know, I'm just trying to stay as stable as possible for him. So going so leading up to... I mean, um, I'm trying to just dice it from your school to studying and moving to DC, then Texas. How, what years were these? Around about two thousands, early. Yeah, uh, yeah, no. Um, I I I graduated Syracuse in ninety seven. So early. early yeah, 90s. so yeah, those. Yeah, twenty three years ago. It's crazy. So at what at what point did you? I mean. Sadly, your mum, I mean, I lost my mum to cancer as well, so it's not. Uh, and, and basically, yeah. 2008, she had uh, cancer of the, oh, the, pul- the lung, basically, pulmonary, the kind of, kind of uh, this area here. And uh, it was very, yeah, so she, uh, so no, it's, it's not, it's horrible. So uh, I relate to that. So, yeah. but going, I mean, Lyme disease, I mean, you, built, what, you must have just been living a normal life, doing, carry on. At what yeah. point did Lyme disease kick in, or when you might, where did, what did you think it kind of? I mean, you're obviously just doing life as normal. Some somewhere in your life, some tick has bitten you. Yeah, and you don't yeah. know it. I tell people, yeah, it was um, quite a roller coaster between my mom, you know, being diagnosed and then she passed away February 2010. I had my son August 2000. 11. So I'm painting the picture of where Lyme disease came in. And then 13 months after my son was born, September of 2012, is when I went out, like you said, you're just doing normal things. I was a marathon runner. So I used to run marathons. And I was training for my um, sixth, sixth marathon. So I ran five. I was training for number six. And I went out on a, sometimes I would power walk as part of my training. I went out um, actually with a group of colleagues. So I had a new job. Um, you know, I was working for a major performing arts center in Washington, okay. D.C. And they said, we're going to take a walk. You know, would you like to come with us? I said, well, yeah, I want to, you know, actually I was going to go walking today anyway as part of my mm-hmm. training. But usually when I would walk or even run, I liked to do it on paved trails away from bushes and trees yeah. and Things of that nature. I like to see nature, but from a distance. Right. So um, this particular walk, my colleagues wanted to take a nature mm. walk. And you had the fork in the road. I tell people it's like that poster and you it's like you're at a crossroads and you're like, do I take the paved trail or do I go off the beaten path with my colleagues over here and do the nature walk? So I didn't want to be left out. And I said, well, I'll just do the nature walk with them. And there were about 10 of us that day. It was the middle of September 2012. And I remember specifically, I mean, in a nature walk, you can't really get away from bushes and trees. It's like right up on top of you. 
And I can still even remember, um, it was like this bush that was hanging out. And I remember my right arm rubbing against it. And I remember like later in the walk, looking down, I saw a bite mm. mark and I saw like a little bug. And I said, oh, I probably just, I'm just thinking it's just nothing. I'll just take it off of me. It looked like a mosquito bite. It didn't even look like a the typical bullseye rash that ticks sometimes leave mm-hmm. behind. And out of the whole group, I was the only one bitten. And I didn't even know. Like, I didn't even know I was bitten by a tick yet. I just thought it was a regular bug and go back to work and you go about your business. And about two weeks later, I was out for a regular training run. And a regular training run for me was anywhere between six oh. to 10 miles at a time. And I couldn't even get past the first mile without being mm. out of breath. And I said, well, this is not right because I'm used to doing six miles and I'm only on mile number one. And I was I was scared because not only was I out there on a trail, I mean, my paved trail, but I had my son with me in the running stroller. So here I am out of breath. And I mean, not like, you know, just feeling like gently out of breath. I really felt like I was almost hyperventilating. Mm. And I got back to my car um, and said, you know, maybe, you know, seasons are changing. And I know I have, it's ragweed season out here in the fall. So I was like, you know, I do have some allergies. Maybe it's just kicking up. And the same thing happened later that week. I, you know, with African dance and went to African dance class. I couldn't get through half my class without being out of breath. Still not thinking anything related to this bug bite. I'm just thinking allergies, season changing. And that was my first uh, symptom was shortness of breath and this cough that just was what you call an unproductive cough. Nothing came up and it didn't sound like anything was loose in my lungs. And then as weeks went on, it was just a flurry of symptoms. It was like every week a new symptom was introduced. And I mean, it, it took months for me to be properly diagnosed. But like you said, I was living I a great life and it's <laughs> just doing what I usually do and go out there. And I didn't choose the paved trail. I chose the nature trail. Well, and well, well what we'll do is we'll take a small, <laughs> uh, for those who are listening in, uh, in the podcast, we just take a small break, uh, we'll play some music. And we'll, I think... And during, we're talking obviously about Lyme disease, Lyme disease with Serena Rolls in DC. Um, and we're talking, we're going to, a bit of song, which I think in a day with somebody who is being such an active life and has been taken, and basically the life has just been flipped. And well, yeah, what do you do? Yeah. But I'm going to play a song, which is by Brian McClue. Um, and he's a country artist and he's climbing that ladder. So in life, you have to climb things can change and you have to reclimb the ladder again uh, and this is an option where we're going to find out how Serena has climbed her ladder again to be able to turn her life around and where she is now to deal with Lyme disease but we want to say about this is for those who are listening or who may suffer from Lyme disease out there obviously if you want to connect with Serena you'll be able to connect with her after the show and there's the, her links will be in the show notes um, the thing is in the day is it's about educating people about Lyme disease. It's not just a bite from a tick. It's uh, what the effects of it. It may seem, seem something very simple, but the main end of the day is it's what it causes, mm-hmm. what the effects are and how it affects people and why it affects people. It's educating. Um, 
I know some people who used to who had names they thought it was just ME they had uh, and it wasn't that they were just wondering why they were so tired all the time but they realised it was Lyme disease and it just takes something so simple that yeah. uh, it obviously causes um, major problems in health wise so uh, but we're back after Brian McClue's uh, climbing, this, um, climbing that ladder Everything in between Holding each other tight Climb up that ladder Right to the top Step by step I will take We'll never stop Climb up that ladder We'll never part
So welcome back to Ramsey on the East Columbia Borders. So we've just had Brian McClue, uh, Canadian country artist. Um, but about my guest, Serena Rose, who's from Washington, D.C. Uh, but we're going to um, talk about, she just t- spoke about the, why she's had like how she's got a tick from just doing a nature walk, something as simple and as easy as just baking a cake probably, or just not, not living her daily life. But now she is... Mm-hmm. They're going to talk about her journey. She's discovered that she's best part two to three weeks. She cannot do anything. So we're going to carry on from there about Lyme disease and how eventually when she got diagnosed and just the story, the journey from there. So tell us, continue, Serena, with the journey of your Lyme disease from just after you were, you pretty much were wondering why you were so tired. Yeah, it was, that was the next symptom. It was all this great fatigue. I mean, you know, people feel fatigued you know, just, oh, I'm working Mm -hmm. hard or, oh, you know, I didn't get enough sleep last night and I'm fatigued. But this fatigue was overwhelming to the point where you felt like even if you got eight hours of sleep, which my my sleep was also uh, disturbed greatly, there would be nights where I barely got any sleep after a while. Um, But, you know, it was the shortness of breath. It was fatigue. It was twitches and spasms. It was uh, sharp pains. Uh, you know, feeling like daggers are like going through your body. Um, Then the one thing that really concerned me was the left side of my body grew weak. So I I got leg weakness, the bottom of my soles of my feet um, felt like they were on fire sometimes. Uh, My arm was weak. And even like a part of my face, I tell people, people can't tell, but if you look at earlier pictures of me, you know, my face used to be a little fuller, and I told them that that's an impact from Lyme disease. It um, actually, some of the muscles in my face, the nerves and the, and the muscles became weakened in Lyme, during Lyme disease. So all this was happening, and like I said, I went from being a marathon runner, an African dancer, um, I was a spoken word artist. I used to perform um, at open mics and shows easily in front of one, 200 people at a time. And now I now had this, uh, this psychiatric symptom, anxiety, where I couldn't even be in a room with five or six or 10 people without having an anxiety attack. And I was like, what is happening to me? And so from that beginning of October to uh, late November, I was misdiagnosed. Actually, I was misdiagnosed through December. I was misdiagnosed about 10 times and all from different doctors. It was doctor after doctor and everything from, oh, maybe you have uh, asthma. Maybe you've developed asthma in your adult years. I said, I think I know if I have asthma, I'm a marathon runner. Okay. So <laughs> I think I would know it doesn't just like slam you one, two, three. It's, it kind of like, you know, happens over time. I said, but there's all this other stuff happening. Asthma doesn't co- you know cause your feet to be on fire or the left side of your body going weak or, you know, anxiety attacks or I mean sometimes you do have an anxiety attack if you're having an asthma attack but it just didn't correlate and then there was the diagnosis of pneumonia then it was oh maybe you have pleurisy or maybe you have lupus I mean it went on and on and on all these different doctors all these different diagnoses I was in the ER twice um in the last ER visit I went to the doctor said, there's something going on in your immune system. It's like an atomic bomb just dropped. And 
he said, it's like an infection or something is happening. And he says, I can't pinpoint it. And, you know, he was the one that was getting kind of close to something, you know, is not quite right. It's not anything that we typically hear about. But literally the man was retiring from practice that week. I mean, literally, I would, it'd be my luck to find a great doctor. And he's over, retiring the same week. So that slow happens. <laughs> like really you're retiring like this Wednesday and it's Saturday morning okay but he did say I, I encourage you um to keep going forward and his name is Dr. Michael Brown if he's out there he told me keep pushing until you get an answer and you'll know when you get the answer you'll know when you have the right doctor and he was an emergency room doctor you know and he was trying to spend as much time with me as possible yeah. but you're in the ER you're not supposed to be in there but so long and they couldn't admit me because my my blood work was coming back, you know, pretty looking pretty good because it's just a typical normal blood work, not anything in depth. But it wasn't until um, Thanksgiving week, a friend of mine referred me to her doctor and she said, I've been reading your Facebook posts and some of them are at like three and four o'clock in the morning. And I'm really worried about you because you went from being this completely healthy physically healthy individual to not being able to get out of the bed and you have to take care of your son and you have to get to work. So she says, I have a great doctor and she's an integrative health doctor. Um, and I think she would really be able to help you. And that was on a Tuesday, Thanksgiving week. And I called her literally as soon as her practice opened that morning, I didn't go to work. At this point, I was home from work for about a week now because I was too sick to go to work. And she literally fit me in at 3 p.m. that day. And she's like, you know, she was like, I just had a cancellation. I want you to come and see me and let's let's talk and let's let's see what's going on with you. And, you know, to this day, now that was November 2012. We're now in 2020. She's still my doctor. And she was one that diagnosed me not on the spot, but it took about three, three, three weeks um, but that initial visit, um, she she kind of did a deep dive, not just on the physical symptoms, but she asked me, what have you been through? Have you been through any trauma in your life in the past three to five years? And of course, that's when the waterworks happened. I'm like, you know, my mom died two and a half years before my mom died. My sister died. Um, you know, it was just I said, you know, I had the, a beautiful thing happened. I had my son, but then I became a single mom you know, because his father and I just didn't get along. I'll just leave it at that. I was like, you know, and it, it's, it's trauma, it's traumatic, you know? So she was coupling with not just the physical symptoms, but if you're mentally and emotionally at a low, very low point of your life and you get sick physically, you're going to crash faster than someone who might be at a higher point in their life. They didn't suffer from two deaths or rejection or a poorly paying job, you know? So she was the one who, you know, we went through a lot of blood work. She did a lot of blood work. <laughs> and that same day, I, it was tons of, I mean, now I'm a pro, I can go into a lab and they say, you know, it's gonna be a lot of lab work. Today. I'm like, that's fine. You, you just don't oh, know what I've been got through. A lot of blood. <laughs> You don't know my story. I'm I'm ready. I, I drank my water and I had some bananas this morning and I'm good. So, but yeah, she was the one who diagnosed me um, with Lyme disease. She was she was very 
Um, she was nervous that the left side of my body was very weak. So she's the one that said, I'm going to have you go get an MRI of your brain and spine. That's, that's frightening in itself. And I'm thinking, well, okay, we'll get it checked out. I don't think anything's wrong with my central nervous system. And literally I got my MRI done after Thanksgiving and it wasn't even 24 hours later, we got the results back. And the radiologist said, we found 13 lesions in her brain and there's inflammation in her brain. Now they thought I had multiple sclerosis. So now I'm like, oh my God, you know, this is, I said, how do you go from like pneumonia, asthma, pleurisy, you know, and now we're at MS because I have physical lesions in my brain and I almost fainted in my doctor's office. And that's when she put like all these puzzle pieces together and says, you know, Serena, I think you have Lyme disease. And have you heard of what Lyme is? And I told her, I've heard about it. I know it's from a tick or a bug, but how does that, how does something like that cause all of this? I mean, it's, it's super tiny. And she's the one that actually told me that certain ticks carry this bacteria, the Borrelia bacteria, not all ticks. Um, but here in the United States, it's a great deal of ticks that carry it. And they're carriers of other illnesses as well. And one bite could really be detrimental to your life. And she did one last, uh, you know, thing of lab work. And literally a week later, on December 15th, 2012, Mm -hmm. I came back highly positive for Lyme disease. It was like there's certain markers. And I was over the 2.0 marker, which is pretty high. You're supposed to be like under... 1.0. 1.0. And it may not sound dramatic to some people, but it, it's pretty high if you're like two point something. And, you know, and all the other markers, like the Lyme titers, they were all positive. Um, the, uh, you know, she did the IgG and the IgM tests, and it showed that I had a current infection of Lyme disease. So everything was positive. I was a positive across the board. And now it was game time. It was like, now what are we going to do go. to treat so this? Let's uh, we'll take a small break. I just wanted to say before, so we go into this next part. But before we go to the next part, I did. I know you, it sounds like your relationship breakup was a big deal as well. Because it sounds like, obviously you've had your son, because I know it sounds like that's still, what went on there still is quite hard on you. Yeah, I mean, because yeah. we have a child together. It's not like, yeah. a, you know, a breakup and you go your own yeah. separate ways. Like, we are connected by a child to this day and probably forever, you know? So, um, so yeah, that was very, that was after, like, the deaths in the family. And, you know, it was, it was very, just the way it happened, it, it was yeah. very hurtful. I'll just leave it at that. It was very, very hurtful. And I'm thinking, I... You know, my mom was a single mom. I saw how much she struggled. And I didn't even know my father. That's part of my life. You probably didn't hear me talk about him. I didn't know him. I never knew my father. And when I finally got close to finding him, Mm. he had already been dead for three months. So I never got a chance to meet him. So I I always said, that's not going to be me. I'm not going to be a single mom. And, you know, because I just saw how much my mom went through. So, yeah, it really, it crushed me. You know, so I went through all of these crushing experiences mm. and then you get bit by a tick. 
that physically will just wipe you out. Well, <laughs> so, come back taking our, our break. Yeah. We'll play our tune. Uh, I don't know Brian McLeese will play a random uh, tune just to uplift thing. But uh, at the end of the day, I think we're really educating people about Lyme disease. We're going to find out how Serena has, in the next part of how Serena has, uh, how she's been dealing with it. So how what the what help medication she's been taking, what she the what road has she gone down to be able to help deal with this having finding after finding out having Lyme disease through test after test after test after test and probably enough blood you can uh, enough blood taken you could uh, supply a blood bank probably with uh, basically so we're gonna find out what obviously now she's found out the reason is that so what's the next step how are you gonna how are you gonna get try and get better is it a cure and we don't know but let's find out let's dive in but we'll be back after another song it's like a random I really picked another one but I thought it was play in the day we like edu- so I like to support indie artists indie artists around the world who have music who get some music out there to different parts of the world and then the day it's, uh, it's good to support them and so they can get coverage and hopefully enjoy the tracks so um, I'll be back after this Welcome to my prairie dice. Yeah, welcome to my prairie 
to my paradise. You're listening to the sponsors and the contributors to our show. Frame Your Day app by Ephia Lethem. Natural Soap by Zakia. Brent Mann from BrentMannMusic.com. Eileen Smith. Dot com. That's Eileen is also a major tester of platforms of live streaming and also sells podcast equipment and recommends what she uses for her podcast. It's I-L-E-A-N-E smith.com and you can find her on YouTube as well. We also have benitacharles.com from Benita Charles Music, supporter of our show through our 60 Second Singing Tips. We also want to shout out to Shannon Griffin for Humanities, Patrick M. Voss. We also want to myself, edinburghdusters.com or .co.uk for uh, cleaning services in Edinburgh, Scotland. If you're also looking for websites, we recommend ideasgolive.com from John Drummond, website designer. We also want to shout out to Altavis Pelzer from the Speakeasy podcast and the creator of the World Voice League. Welcome back to Ramsey Unleashed, Going Beyond Borders. I'm interviewing Serena Wills, all the way from DC, originally from New York uh, and uh, Queens. I went been educated in Harlem and travelled to Matthew Manhattan, New York. Lovely place. Not been there. Get there. It's a buzz. Just, just don't stop for anything. Don't stop for any longer than about point one of a second in the street because you might end up, you'll just get mowed down literally because it's just constant flow of people. doesn't stop. But that's the one thing with New York. But anyway... So now, tell us that you've now basically found out you've got Lyme disease. So what was the what was the next step from there? How did you treat it? What's what was the process? Yeah, that was um, you know I, again you know I love my doctor. Um, she would just sit down with me. So we sat down and we would map out you know a game plan. So she said, okay, because Lyme disease the one thing like you said I'll use part of this to educate people. There's not just a one stop like here, take this and you'll be you'll be better. So everybody, for example, what happened or how my friend was treated for Lyme disease, my treatment process looked totally different than her treatment process. And then what she did, Mm -hmm. I can't do or what I did, she can't do. It's that unique to everybody's body. So we tried the traditional route. So, you know, that means let's try a couple of medications. But her main thing was boosting my immune system first. So she said, you know, some doctors are just so quick to, you know, give you pills and, you know, capsules and say, take this. But she says, you've been through a lot. And she said, you know, you need a boost. So I actually started with IV treatments, um, vitamin IV infusions. So that was actually, that was part of my treatment process, but that was before um, we tried medication. She wanted to try to boost my immune system as much as possible. And the other thing was diet. So she said, you know, she was telling me about the bacteria, Borrelia, and how it likes sugar. It likes alcohol. And of course, I tell people alcohol, when it gets in your system, you know, it could formulate into the uh, alcohol sugar. And then uh, it likes gluten. And the one thing people don't know about gluten, I'm now gluten-free, but gluten is a protein that's in quite a few processed foods and some other foods now as well. That's why you see a lot of things that say gluten-free on the labels because they now have to say that. And gluten also causes celiac um, disease. People can't ingest gluten, but gluten is a binding agent. 
and it makes things, it, you know, connects things and makes things bigger sometimes. You can imagine if a bacteria like Borrelia connected itself with a gluten protein or gluten. And now you have this bacteria that's binded and could potentially, you know, it's already growing in your body. We don't want to add anything in your body that's going to feed the bacteria. So gluten was out, dairy was out. Now that was a big thing for me. The alcohol, I, I love wine. So I always had wine in the fridge. And after I've, you know, finished nursing my son, for a year, I remember having a celebratory bottle of wine waiting for me in the refrigerator. <laughs> but dairy was a big one because I am a Ben and Jerry's fan, and I have certain flavors of theirs that are just to die for. And when she said no dairy, that's when I cried. Right. I didn't cry over anything else, but cried over non-dairy. And it's full of sugar, and you got the dairy, so you got two things happening. And back then, Ben and Jerry's didn't have any non-dairy flavors. Now, after millions of letters and emails and calls, they actually have a lot of their Ooh. favorite flavor, flavors are now non-dairy. It took years, but and yet you want to make sure it tastes good because just because it's non-dairy doesn't mean it tastes good. So it was now this whole new thing for me because even though I thought I was eating great, you know, which I was, you know, we found out through another lab test I took that I was actually sensitive to gluten even before Lyme disease. So here I was taking in gluten and didn't know that I was sensitive to it. And I always had eczema as a baby, as all the way from a baby through adulthood. And the second I went gluten free, that springtime, I'm usually my arms are filled with eczema in my legs. And I noticed, you know, I said, maybe this is a treatment from Lyme disease or maybe it's my diet. And my doctor said, I think it's the diet. She said, because you were sensitive to gluten, it might have been exasperating the eczema. And to this day, it's 2020, I, I barely get any eczema. I don't, I'm not even on the steroid creams I used to be on as a child. It's completely, I don't even need them anymore. And it's because I changed my diet. It was all on the diet. If if we knew back then, my mom would have taken me off of gluten. <laughs> we didn't know, but you know, so that was a big part of it. We have the diet, we have the vitamin IV infusions, but now it was, do we try medication? And we tried um, an IV treatment called uh, Rocephin. So Rocephin comes in a pill format and an IV format. And because my central nervous system was impacted by Lyme disease, um, IVs would help me, you know, not just get better, but it would help heal my central nervous system because we needed to get, you know, basically the medication into me so it could circulate throughout my body. No. Well, we tried that, Frazier, it didn't work. It must be, I mean, obviously, <laughs> I mean, going back to your diet, I mean, that's a big, I mean, I mean, a lot of people, I mean, it's more realizing that sugar is the main yeah. problem to a lot of things these days. And it's in everything, and it's high, and it's a high dosage of yeah. sugar in a lot of foods these days, and because we're so addicted to it, and we don't realize that's why I changed. The, yeah. I did a keto. I've been keto yeah. eating for you know, over two years now, and it was. I would, mm -hmm. I would go back to the sugar. The amount of sugar I was eating was dreadful. So I, I mean, you can see the reason that the, the amount of stuff is um, the amount of rubbish it's in all this food, and the people don't realize they're eating it, and it's crazy. You know? Yes. And, 
It's totally rubbish. It's just yeah. dreadful. Yeah, it's and rubbish. Exactly. So, it's, um, and it's just what well, it is. Just you wonder yeah, why. Yeah, you wonder true. why we're like half the people admit the food. Even kids, you see them what they're shoveling down their throats, and you realise that they're basically di- diabetic, waiting to happen. Literally, but this stuff is crazy. But yeah, so so now you so nothing's yeah. worked. So you've done all the stuff. What's next? Yeah, so we tried. Yeah, we tried three or four medications. Um, I tried rocephin, I tried doxycycline, I tried biaxin, and there's another medication. I'm not. I can't think about it right now, but I remember trying it. So we we try it, and during the, the process, I tell people, um, we I would detoxify because my doctor said we have to detoxify your body because the bacteria is dying off. You're suffering from die off, as we call it. But we don't want the bacteria, the dead bacteria, and that that sludge that comes along with that dead bacteria to reabsorb into your system. So you you know, I'm already on a clean diet, but detoxifying might be getting colon hydrotherapy, which people stare away from. But I tell people, if you really want to get wiped out real quick, <laughs> go and get yourself a session of colon hydrotherapy. Um, you know, one was I went into the infrared sauna. I did that two, three times a month, and A, it felt wonderful. I mean, it's it's like a sauna, it's a sauna experience, but infrared okay. is a, a tad bit different than a typical sauna. Um, the infrared goes into your core. So it really, it is a higher temperature, but the goal is for it to really get into the core of your body to detoxify and get all that <laughs> out of you. Sweaty. So um, I did that. I was going to sweat, a spill of sweat <laughs> just sitting there. If you think that's hotter than your normal sauna. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And the terrible part was it was January when I was well, starting all this. So it felt great when you were indoors. On, but now cold. you have to walk outside <laughs> in the winter. Into- <laughs> this comes from nearly a hundred degree, hundred degree Fahrenheit to uh, freezing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We're like, I think it went up to like 130, 135 actually. Um, and so you're going from back to like 35 degrees outside. So it was like in the oven. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, let me make sure I park very close feel, to the practice. Like, just jump in my vehicle, yeah. you know, so I get home. Yeah, but it was, so there was a lot of that happening. And then when we realized it was, it was through um, February and we both sat down and she says, you know what, Miss Wills, this is not working for you. Because she said, you're getting some of the severe side effects that would send someone to the ER. We're trying to prevent that from happening again. And it's just not working. It's just... So she said, let's try the complete integrative health route. Now, by this time, we added more people onto my team because I have lesions in my brain. So we need a neurologist. So I now have a neurologist on my team that we introduced. Um, and then later on, you know, I introduced, uh, we had a chiropractor who's still in my my life. He also does acupressure. Um, I had an acupuncturist, a massage therapist, a Reiki therapist, um, you name it, I had it. You know, but she said, we're going to do, we're going to take out all these medications. We're going to stick to the vitamin IV because that's natural. And I, that's when I would feel a die off, but it wouldn't be so severe and I would feel better. Mm-hmm. But now we moved to a peroxide IV. 
And the peroxide IV is like a food grade. It's not the peroxide you get in CVS or your pharmacy. <laughs> so I would get that. So I was doing two IVs a week now. Um, and the IV, actually, the, the peroxide is a blood purifier. So it's helping purify the blood, purify your system. And of course, that's now getting through your organs. So I would do two IVs a week. I was now back to work, which was horrendous. Right. Um, I didn't have enough sick leave to stay home. So I was on the Family Medical Leave Act. So it protected my job. But at the same time, if I had to, of course, take leave, because I would take right. a day off just for the IV treatments. You get an IV, you're wiped out for the day. And just getting my doctor's appointments. I was in the doctor's office two, three times a week, you know, seeing a neurologist, seeing her, seeing, you know, this specialist and that specialist. It was like they would try and piece me back together again. But, you know, at the core of it all, and I tell people, so we found the right treatment, you know, I'm, I'm on the IVs and that was starting to work. It was, it was slow, but steady. Um, I switched neurologists because neurologists I originally had, and this is a great doctor when they could say, we don't know Lyme disease, we don't know what it's about, but we know a neurologist who does, and he knows the difference between Lyme and MS. Because they said some of your lesions are in the pattern of MS, but they're, they're not quite in that pattern, and we don't know how to decipher it. So I was passed off to another neurologist who is still my neurologist to this day, so he's been in my life for seven years and he put me on a different medication oh. that is actually, I'm on a customly compounded medication I have to have made um, every month or every couple of months. But he was the one that, you know, made the decision that, okay, this is completely Lyme, it's not MS. And he showed me the pattern. And I tell people, great doctors are not the ones right. that just tell you what you have, but they're educating you on what yeah. you have. And they're showing you, like he was showing me the picture of my brain. And he was showing me the picture right. of a brain that had MS and he was showing me the difference. And as my brain was healing, because the lesions started to disappear, he was showing me the pattern and he was showing me, but that's a, a great doctor when they're not just talking at you, but you're at the center of, you know, the process. So that's where we kicked off um, just finding the right you probably felt protocol a little bit like, uh, um, to help well, me heal. You probably rattled with the amount of tablets you're probably taking and the amount of things you're doing. You probably felt like maybe a pincushion or a bit of a lab rat here so just to find out something from a tick, just to find out how to get through this. Yeah. But so can't have been easy. I mean, constantly going. So yeah. did, you find, did you finally come to a place where you had – you, something you can take, which is going to is now enabling you to work and do things, or well, yeah, like I like I said, it was crazy because I was getting those IV treatments and I was going to work okay. anywhere between twenty eight to thirty two hours a week, so that was kind of delaying my healing process because right. I my body didn't have enough time to rest because I was going to work, and you know I, I was like, this is the time where you're like, can I just be rich so I could just stay home and Rest. And, you know, I tell people I, I'm grateful because I have my brothers and sisters who are battling Lyme disease who are bedridden. Forget work. They can't even get up out of the bed, let alone fathom a job. Or those who were married or they were with someone, they got Lyme disease, they got sick, and then their spouse or their partner broke up with them. So now they're alone and they're having to deal with it. So I tell people, 
I was grateful I was still able to go to work because my work also provided my health benefits so I could find out all of this stuff. But like you said, I was on a lot of supplements. Um, and I'm still on a lot of supplements, not as many, but the vitamin and minerals, amino acids, you know, I was just finding all, all types of things that, where I was deficient in because I went to through specialty labs to get my lab work done to find out my deficiencies in my vitamin, mineral, and amino acid levels. So I knew what supplements to take and what food to eat. So that's what we use as a guide. And I also brought on a nutritionist and herbalist onto my team to help out with that as well. But yeah, it got to a point where you get to taking less and, you know, I'm still on a medication. Like I said, I get it customly compounded. So it's not like I can't call a CVS or a Walgreens and say, I need this. I have to call my pharmacy down in Florida <laughs> and Florida is only certain pharmacies that make this medication. It's you have to really right. it has to be a, a compounding pharmacy, actually. But this one is actually the one, one of the originators of making um, what they call low-dose naltrexin. So I take 4.5 milligrams of that each night. And when people hear naltrexin, they're thinking opiates because people yeah. use naltrexin to help with getting off of opiate usage. But this is a low-dose that they use not just for Lyme disease, but they use for MS, they use for cancer patients. And what it does is you take it at night and when you're when you're sleeping, it's actually kind of giving your body a reboot and it's helping your body heal a little faster than what it usually would. And the only side effect <laughs> I ever had from it were vivid dreams and good sleep. So I'll take that. <laughs> I will take those side effects any day of the week. <laughs> and one of those, I suppose you get rest is the main thing. Great. That's what you want. Yeah, to so you get good sleep, you feel refreshed, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because I couldn't sleep. There were times right. where my my central nervous system was on overdrive and I would only sleep three, four hours right. a night. You know, I still had a young child because I now have a toddler because, my you know, my son is growing through all of this. So he's getting older, but he was still in a phase where I had to really take care of him. He was still in diapers, you know, and 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 he was in daycare or preschool and and that was the other thing I tell people, I wasn't just going to work and coming home. I'm going to work and going to daycare, picking him up, and I have a baby to take care of. And I thank God for friends um, that became like they were like family to me here that really, really took good care of me and would take care of my son sometimes or take care of me and say, just go sleep. And we're just going to watch him for the day. Um, but it really mm -hmm. takes a certain friend, because I lost some friends in all of this. Some friends couldn't deal with my illness or my pain, and they they uh, decided to just depart. And that was another blow to me. You know, it was a major, major blow. So in all of this healing, there's a lot of physical healing happening, but I actually went through therapy. I went through counseling, and that helped. that helped a great deal. Um, I'm a very prayerful woman, you know, that, I included uh, my you pastors in my church, you, have so, you know, yes. pray for me. You know, yeah, I'm Christian and I prayed morning, noon and night. Sometimes I would just go to my car midday and just pray. You know, I would just spend 10, 15 minutes and just pray or just have a quiet moment and just ask God. There were a lot of why me moments, like really God, why? Like, have I not been through enough? You know, but 
But yeah, I tell people my faith mm. is what really brought me through because that intuition starts talking. And I really believe that was God talking to me, especially if you were at a, a doctor's office that I was like, no, this doctor's not right. And before you well, know it, the doctor just one, wasn't one of the right. people who support our show, <laughs> so, uh, shout out to you, uh, well, Brent, Brent Mann, he's a country gospel singer, but uh, he was a semi-finalist on the X Factor USA and uh, met USB under Simon Cowell, but he's from Canada, but he's oh, in wow. Tampa, Florida. But his al- his album is God Sees Big, and it's country gospel. But one of his songs, it's basically one of his songs is uh, God Sees Big and he's still making miracles. And saying that, this gives me, it's kind of like goosebumps. It's kind of like oh, just that. Yes. And every time he's a support, great guy, and he supports many people he's always encouraging and I, and I love him a bit as a brother and he's fantastic mm. but he's out it's god sees big and he's still making miracles and hopefully i mean there's a reason why you're going down this road um it's it's a, a reason that you probably wish why am i going down this <laughs> road <laughs> but you're going there for a reason because you the journey you're taking will hopefully <laughs> i mean is, is there a, i don't know is there a cure for lyme disease or they have never found a cure for lyme disease There's no cure. Um, what they say is like, I have friends where they are now symptom free. Their symptoms are in remission. They haven't had symptoms in years. Your blood work, right. like I, I tell people, your blood work could be negative, but it could also be a false negative. But if you're feeling great, mm-hmm. um, like I had one friend, we were in this battle together. And I, I remember the day when she says, Serena, I've had like two weeks where I haven't felt one symptom. And I'm a little nervous. She was like, I, I don't want to quite celebrate just yet, but I just wanted you to know because we, you know, we are in this right. together. And I found her and other friends through a group called The Healing Well. And um, it's healingwell.org. And that's that's global. There, there were people on there from all over the world and they have different, um, mm. you know, illnesses and you can click on Lyme disease and that's a support group. And I met, you know, quite a few, but a few of us became very close and then two weeks turned into two months, and then two months turned into several months for her. And now we're talking several years later. She has not had a symptom yet. So we're in, she's in remission. I have other friends that are in remission. Um, I still have a few symptoms left, and I can talk about like the next part, like why, why me? So I think I found out the why and the why me, but um, even though it's not easy, but right. you know, but yeah, there's no cure and there's no vaccine. Either there used to be a vaccine, which a vaccine is mind-boggling. Yeah, mind there used to be a vaccine for Lyme disease, and they, yeah, they, yeah, they, they took it off the market in 2002 here in the United States because they said it wasn't enough demand for it, and that's because a lot of people are are misdiagnosed and they're you get all these false negatives, like 57% of the people that get so, tested for Lyme disease each this year vaccine, get so false this, this vaccine was still around. But then the other thing was it didn't stick. So if it was today... No, it, they, it, it was around. They, they took it off the market. made you, it helped you in a way that it didn't... You don't know. It might have. Um, there were some hiccups in that vaccine as well. They said so. The hiccup was... They, te- you know, they gave folks, right. I guess, the vaccine, and the vaccine didn't stick. So let's say I get vaccine, you know, I get the vaccine. Some people it might last 
a couple of years. Okay. Some people it might last a few months. Some people it didn't even do anything. So okay. they they took it off the market, yeah. but now we're in 2020. That was 2002. <laughs> so you would think over 18 years, let's go back and figure this out. Or And they're still talking about they're doing research, but as they're doing their quote unquote research, there's so many millions of people that have been sick and some have died um, from Lyme disease because of all the misdiagnoses. They were never diagnosed with so let's, proper what, what illness you, you, until it's let's too talk late. About now, I mean, you're, 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 current, you're working, you're still back to work now, which is good. So we talk about your job. I also talk about, you didn't really discuss your book. Now, and where if you, you're not a published author as well. So let's say... Um, Tell us about I me. Mean, obviously, tell us about your work and what you're doing. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I know you're. You before we we went live, we you talked to me. Obviously, a job you don't really like, but don't say that too, too loud. Because there's somebody from your work saying she doesn't like, she doesn't like working here. <laughs> so, no, they shouldn't tell us that. No, um, but let's um, let's talk about the job. Obviously, a job's a job. It's your bread and butter. It brings in, pays the bills. It was, we've all got jobs we don't like, uh, but we're just going to do it at the end of the day. You've got to survive. Um, but talk about the job. Talk about the, you're also, talk, you are technically self-employed as well, so you've got other stuff to do. So whatever you want to do, talk about the job you don't like, even yeah. that you're doing, which has yeah. got you back to work, which is good that you're back to work. I'm, I'm guessing, before I answer that question, I'm guessing you've, you just don't do any running. You don't really do any running at all anymore. I guess that's out the window. Do you have you started to bat, run again, or are you? Well, no. I actually the one thing right. that Lyme disease still has has taken from me is my my running. So some of the symptoms that I I still have, I can't even go through all the symptoms I once had. It was over thirty symptoms at the end of the day. So right. the ones I still have. Um, I still have a bout of shortness of breath. Um, it, it looks like asthma, but it's not asthma. And that's okay. from a co-infection that I also got from Lyme disease okay. called Babesia. Babesia causes shortness of breath. Um, okay. It also, okay. one of the symptoms I have is inner ear disturbance. So even though I can power walk, um, which is a huge uh, accomplishment, that just happened March of 2017, it was kind of accidental how it happens, but um, I went out just to clear my head after I got let go from a job and didn't realize how far I was walking until I turned around. I said, I don't see my car anymore. And I passed a mile marker and realized I went almost a mile. And I was, I was a little dizzy because inner ear disturbance, the way it works is you can stop walking, but your head, the signals haven't gotten to the ear yet. So you, your, it's almost like your body's still feeling like you're walking. My head feels like I'm still moving, even though I've stopped. And that's where the dizziness comes yeah. in. So you can imagine if that happens over a power walk, a run could just be detrimental. I actually have tried. I've tried to run and the shortness of breath and the inner ear disturbance just says, no, I am that's African good. dancing again. I just started that back up this year. So that took several years to get back on the day. And this is during the COVID pandemic. It was all virtual. Like, let me try the virtual class with my dance teacher. And it worked out. But um, but yeah, my, my jobs that I, I love um, during Lyme disease, during the, the height of the battle, I said, you know, if, if God calls me home tomorrow, I didn't even get a chance to become my own published author. I'm, I'm published in anthologies and articles 
I don't have my own book. So actually, when I was I was at home sick for a month with Lyme, um, before I, I knew I had Lyme, I didn't even know I had Lyme yet, I dusted off one of my old poetry books that I had been meaning to birth for years. And I reached out to my team of people. I said, you know, I want to birth this book. It sounds crazy because I'm really sick right now, but I can't mm-hmm. put this book on hold anymore because what if something happens to me? And I met these, you know, I met these people, these friends in Dallas. So from my editor to the graphic designer to the artist inside my book, everyone involved, they came from Dallas. And from November 2012 to June 2014, I worked on my very first poetry book and I published it. Actually, this month makes six years. I published it June 14, 2014. So I'm in the sixth anniversary of my first poetry book. And I tell people it was a slow walk with that book, but I said Lyme disease kicked me in the butt to uh, yeah. to do it. And um, and I had oh, to see a visitor. Your line is my son checking with me. So Mr. Say, Mr. 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 Rose <laughs> Jr. <laughs> this is my friend Frazier. <laughs> oh yeah, this is George. Okay, I'll see you live. in a minute. Okay? It was live in a podcast. Thank you this for checking with me. Oh. <laughs> so in the. Uh, so during the process, and the one thing I thought about was um, during the process, I wanted to leave a legacy for my son. And every parent wants to leave a legacy. So that was my son, Jordan. Now he'll be nine. So when we started this whole process, he was 13 months old. So um, and now he, he could go to a doctor and he's not scared of needles because of me. And um, the doctor's like, he's such a brave little boy. I'm like, well, he's seen a lot. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I have published three books since then, and um, it's, it's been my thank you. They're all self-published, and I'm actually the the fourth book I'm working on now is my memoir about Lyme disease and about my journey. And during all of this, um, I discovered graduate school. So I met my nutritionist and herbalist through a. a, a a school out in Maryland, not knowing it was a school. I thought it was just a nature care center. And I said, what is this place? And she said, oh, it's a, it's a grad school. And we focus on integrative health practices, nutrition, health and wellness coaching. And at this point I was too sick to think about school, but I just loved the feeling and vibe about it. And that was March of 2013 when I was introduced to Maryland University cool. of Integrative Health. It was once called Thai Sophia Institute when I first started going there. And now, you know, I was going there, I was actually a patient. Like I tell people, I was a patient of their nature care center. And who knew that years later, I would, you know, say, you know what, I want to, I want to turn my career to another, right. another path. I want to still be a servant to my community, but how can I do that? And I do with my poetry books, my books are all about healing and that you can heal from the the darkest parts of your life. But I knew I wanted to do something in the health and wellness field. And that school offered um, a master of arts in health and wellness coaching. So when I started to feel a lot better, so it was like summer 2015, I still had symptoms, but they said, you know, a good portion of your degree will be online. You don't have to come here. Um, it's kind of like, you know, you have an assignment due next week. You can work on it throughout the week. 
I just took my time. I went part-time and in three years, I got my master of arts in uh, health and wellness coaching with a concentration in nutrition and in integrative health practices. And I took it a step further and said, yeah. I'm gonna go and take the national board exam. And I did that and passed on the first try. That was a very tough exam, four plus hours. (laughs) It was four hours. You only got one 15 minute break and that was it. But a group of us took it together. We studied together and we are now what you call national board certified health and wellness coaches. And I opened up my own practice and my goal is to, you know, pay it forward and help people deal with life. It's not just about physical ailments. You know, we're healing from the inside out here. And as a coach, I'm helping people in the very present and kind of stay present and to get them into the future, even if that's just next week or next month. You know, that's what my practice is about. So that's called um, Divine Right Wellness, W-R-Y-T-E. And, you know, so I birthed my health and wellness coaching practice. I birthed my books, I do workshops on health and wellness coaching and also on the publishing process. And that's my love. That's my passion, you know, and you work the full-time job because you need a paycheck, you know, just until things ends meet. But, you know, every job, everything has a purpose and a reason, even if you don't like where you are or things kind of turned into something else. If you could say I touched one person or I helped one person you know, my job is done, you know, and that's, that's how I feel about the full-time job. Like, you know, I, I, you know, I, I impacted people. I'm compassionate. I'm empathetic. Mm-hmm. Folks would come in and talk to me about health and wellness because they knew I was a board certified coach, you know, and if I could help someone, you know, I've, I'm here more than just the, I mean, doing what they want me to do. Covered a lot to do in, God's work. And the so. best part of Oh, an hour, over an hour, uh, we've covered a lot. We've covered Lyme disease. I think yeah. for those who are, will be listening to this, we, um, I think if you want to connect with Serena, and then maybe there's symptoms that she, we're going to hopefully try and get a list of symptoms that if she, uh, on the show notes, or we'll be able to have a, uh, there might be symptoms you have that are related to what she's had and maybe you just didn't know about that you might, the treatments that she's going through, that you can maybe I've never tried and maybe they will help you and get around that court, turn that corner in Lyme disease and what you're going through. So um, we're going to, we'll get, any day we won't be able to connect with Serena. Let's, we won't be able to connect with you uh, mainly. Let's, where would you, what's your, looking, let's go to the, the, the forward. Now you, you've written your several books, you've got your own business, you want to help people at the end of the day. Um, What's your, going forward, what do you want to do? What do you, where do you want to take your brand? Now, you're just obviously your brand is locally. It's where you are in in America, but would you like to take it internationally as in jump on a plane, come to the UK and do do something over here? Uh, for example, would you like to be talking about it in seminars or something about Lyme disease about the, and the stuff that you do to educate, educate people, not just in America, but maybe people over here as well mm-hmm. in the UK. I mean, where would you like yeah. anything? Where would you like to see yourself? What's your goals? Now, you all, yeah. as you say, you don't know when God might call you home, but from the now, what I mean, I think I think everyone planned 2020 by saying, yeah. yeah, I want to do this, I want to do that. Then, no, I'm not doing that, I'm not doing that because of 
COVID nineteen happened and well coronavirus basically just we never think that some <laughs> virus would take over the world literally by putting everything on stop. Um and you were yeah, just yeah. the twenty twenty was just obviously it's all planned twenty twenty one now because it's not happening uh anytime soon the way you see we're starting to see second spikes uh in places around the world. Even China and Germany and Florida opened for a week and then went close <laughs> so it's crazy so uh yeah. yeah so we're looking forward to what obviously whatever's let you get of 2020 but what's your kind of long-term goals for what you're doing and uh to, and where do you want to see yourself well i will say um even though we've been in the midst of this pandemic um i i have really I came home that week on the Family Medical Emergency Leave mm-hmm. Act. And it's it's amazing when you're not under a great deal of stress um, from a full-time job anymore. So you get sent home, you're sent home to take care of your child because part of the act, there's different tiers of the act here in the United States. So mine was, I'm a, um, you know, I'm my son's sole care provider. His His right. father lives, he lives in the epicenter of, you know, coronavirus here. He lives in New York. So we're not going to see him anytime soon. And I'm it. I am, I am my son's sole care provider. So that week I came home and it's like the floodgates of creativity opened up in my brain. And I was already working on my coaching practice. And I, I, I just released my last book in December, 2019. Who knew, like you said, COVID-19 was going to hit I said, if I would have released it three, four months later, it might not have been released yet. So, and even with my books, there are people who are buying my books through Amazon in Africa, in the UK. And they're they're reaching out to me saying, gosh, you told my life story in your book. So I said, you know, with my coaching, you know, that's a good question. The one thing, both with my writing and my coaching, especially virtually, you can do so much. Like I'm talking to you. And I'm in oh. Scotland, you know, it's like, I'm, I'm, over, I'm overseas now, you know, and, and we're going to reach a whole different audience <laughs> that might not know. Yeah. And he's in Canada, you know, and who knows who else, you know, I could talk to. And that's the beauty of where we are with technology, you know, so I don't have to wait till you're on someone's plane and who knows when we'll be able to even get on a plane or allowed to get on a plane to even travel. I don't even want to travel anywhere anytime soon. But I want to use, um, I want to, of course, expand my brand, my wellness, you know, practice, not just for, you know, the U.S. So, for example, I, I'm right now, I'm a national board certified health and wellness coach. My next goal, which is actually going to happen this summer, is I'm going through a, a different credential. So the next credential is now the International Coaching Federation, ICF. And with that, um, I could take my coaching global. I can coach someone overseas. I just have to know what the rules are overseas in regards to health and, you know, practicing over there. But with health and wellness coaches, we're not as tied down as physicians and therapists and clinicians. Thank goodness, you know. But, um, you know, I'll be able to have clients 
overseas. Um, I now have workshops that I offer. And instead of waiting, I tell people with Lyme disease, don't wait. Well, hopefully, I've learned to not wait for anybody to make well, your stuff happen. Uh, you say, make your it goal happen. is to do this international so, course. Like I saw yeah, maybe you can teach. Well, <laughs> maybe I could, the people that I, I know people who can connect with them again, yeah. they might want to be your first clients. You never yeah, know. So yeah. there's a possibility there. Yeah. Well, I already have clients. Yeah, they're national. So um, I do have clients. I'm open for that. And um, that is my next goal. So with this this next certification, I'll be allowed to teach at graduate schools, which is what I really would love to do. I want to teach health and wellness coaching to our future coaches. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I actually had a conversation with my former grad school, you know, about coming back. I would love to teach. And that's an open dialogue once I get this certification this summer. So I'm already, I've already, I've used this time of like being in the house, being, you know, staying at home and just creating and seeing what I could birth on my own. You know, I'm going to have a self, I already had a self-publishing workshop last month through the library system, but now I'm going to do it on my own next weekend and have people Chime on and ask if people are international and they're awake at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, they can come to my workshop, you know, and that's what it's about. But it's it's all about just reaching, you know, I tell people if if I could reach one, my job is done. But if I could reach okay. more, that's even better. But everybody needs help, no matter what part of the world you're in. And if I could be that voice, if I could educate people, teach people. You know, if they can learn from my journey and my experience, wherever it is, I would love the opportunity. So that's where I see aim myself. And of course, working just for, for me. Help me. Hopefully, we can help you this podcast. That's, help that's the goal. In some that way. is the goal. Um, <laughs> where can people connect with you? Yeah, thank you. Um, thank you again for inviting me. Um, I could be connected. I have two websites. And of course, I tell people when you have multiple websites, you make sure they talk to each other. So, uh, my my website for writing and publishing, and I call it my writing ventures, is serenawills.com. So it's my full name, S-E-R-E-N-A-W-I-L-L-S.com. And on the flip side, my health and wellness coaching practice, which is called Divine Right Wellness, and it's uh, divine, D-I-V-I-N-E-W-R-Y-T-E.com. And like I said, you could go to either website and I have a link that will connect you back to the other website. I'm on Facebook, which is backslash Serena Wills. I'm on all social media platforms under Divine Right, W-R-Y-T-E, including YouTube. If people want to go on YouTube, I have videos on there from my Dr. Vibe chats. When this is uploaded, I'll put that on my YouTube channel. And people could, you know, hear whether it's poetry, whether it's health and wellness, They'll find all kinds of things on there. And uh, my web, you know, my email, if they want to directly reach out, if they have questions, if they think they may have Lyme or they have a loved one that has Lyme, uh, my email is serenawills at uh, yahoo.com. And they could just reach out to me and I would love to talk to Podbean, which goes out to uh, basically for those who are listening to you, Podbean. Um, Also, I'm guessing on your website, there's links to your books and all that, and they can buy them to your website. Yep, you can buy, um, you can actually buy my books through my store on my website. I have my own store. Um, Beautiful thing is when you're Mm self-published, you control your own publishing. So I, Mm -hmm. those books, I can autograph them, personalize them and mail them out. If you are overseas, 
that can get a little tricky. So I am on Amazon and um, can get my book through Amazon. And just, if you put in my name, the first thing that's gonna come up is Serena Williams. Her, she comes up first. So you may have to scroll a bit and then you'll see Serena well, we'll Williams. And if you just type in any uh, of the titles, it'll links, come whatever. up and you can you buy can my book. With, uh, Serena, um, if you're listening to this, and if you wanna reach out to her. So, and um, anything else you want to say that you may not have covered or want to say to people out there? No, I mean, again, I just want to thank you. Um, you know, it's a pleasure. I just, mm. I love to help educate people about Lyme disease because it's not really well talked about um, until it happens to you. There are lots of organizations out mm. there if people want to do more research. Um, there's a great one called Global, Global Lyme Alliance. And they try to cover it globally. So they have a lot of statistics and facts about Lyme disease globally. They're really a good place to go. But almost every country now has a dedicated organization for Lyme disease. And I would just reach out to them and, and just see, you know, a lot of folks have events and, and have a lot of good dialogue like the one we're having. Mm-hmm. And our goal is to educate people so people may well, not have fantastic. to go through well, everything who's been listening we went to through. This or we podcast, can just help their journey thank you for out listening a little and supporting bit more. to people who support us. We are great, very grateful. And thank you for Serena for being on the show. And thank you. I've connected with Serena for a while on Facebook, but we've never really pro- Facebook is fickle. You basically you you connect with people and you maybe don't speak to them for a while, but you reconnect at the right time. And I'm basically <laughs> Dr. Vibe. Uh, Dr. Vibe, which I think about nobody really knows his real name apart from his mother. Um um <laughs> he's probably going to laugh at this way if he listens back to this so uh, just to try the doctor vibe uh, maybe it might have been yeah Tachi Tachi well, maybe we, I, I think we well, met the a couple of times the podcast I have a messenger Tachi. just a simple messenger group of people from different parts of the, the world and it's just as simple it's relaxed I just yeah. think mm-hmm. it's a way you can just it's the same if, you're, if it's your birthday you'll get wished happy birthday in the group uh, yeah. If you want to connect with people, yeah. there's a group of people that it's simple. You can connect. And if you want to be added to it, I can add you to it. It's not a problem. <laughs> you can just reach out to people. You might want to get onto their podcast as well. Yeah. And uh, that kind of thing. Tachi's in the group. She's there. There's It's just pretty straight, relaxed, straightforward. And that's that's all it is, really. So, um, But uh, what we'll do is, yeah, we can... Um, I'll add you if you want to be I'll add, add you to the group and you can just connect with people and network. It's just simple, easy going. So uh, and go from there. So uh, which is cool. Um but yeah, just wanted to say thank you to everybody who's listening. As I say, Srini Wells all the way from DC, originally from New York. Um so if you want to connect with her, especially regarding Lyme disease, or you maybe want to set up a make arranging like a seminar or a a speaking engagement in the UK when flights are allowed and you don't have to sit in your butt for two weeks just for a, a two week holiday and you have to take a four week break because you can't you got to sit in quarantine. So uh, just <laughs> well, hopefully we can uh, um, yeah maybe next year you can plan something you may educate people in Lyme disease by doing a talk. But as I say, you want to go forward and as I said, as my friend Brent Mann says, God sees big and he's still making miracles and I believe he will do that for you. Um, and uh, to take you to the next, whatever you, after we get rid of this mayhem of coronavirus, we will hopefully see some good things happening to, and things will kick off. And I think maybe things will just be bigger and better after we've had a time of, I suppose, I mean, listen, we've had a time of 
a lull. It's like the darkness and the dawn is starting, a new dawn is starting, basically. So we have that opportunity to maybe it's been a time of planning for people. It has been tough, especially, especially for mental health as well, and not having that really. So in the end of the day, I think this will be going forward, certainly if it doesn't it'll make us or break mm-hmm. us, basically, but we'll be glad when we have to some sort of normality, whatever that's going to be, but we'll get there. But anyway, I'm going to shut up now because um, I'm not going to be rabbit on about coronavirus, but uh, I'm sick of the sight of it. But anyway, to everyone who's listening, thank you. And thank you to Susanna coming on the show. And uh, we wish everyone a great um, just rest of 2020, wherever you're going to, whatever's happening. And hopefully it will, there will be a nice light at the end of the tunnel and we can just, things will start happening. Uh, and will be a sort of normal of what we were before lockdown and etc. But anyway, to everyone, take it easy and we will speak to you soon. Bye for now.